Urban Meyer received a lap dance from a young co-ed, and now his contract is in jeopardy. Something about a morals and a performance clause? I don't know. Well, the Supreme Court was back in session this week, and they are back in the same room. Apparently, Flushgate was too much for the Chief last year, and this year it's about restoring order and getting rid of audible bathroom breaks. And finally, Britney Spears is almost in the clear. Her father has now been removed permanently as a conservator and a new one put in place, and this just in time for them to terminate the conservatorship altogether. We will unpack why the order of these events was so crucial to getting final answers in the Free Britney case, as well as the Supreme Court's first week back in this week's debriefing of the law. Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law and a Courtroom Quarterback. I am Joel Oster. I am Chris Marone, stepping in for McKenzie today on both fronts. Hey, you know, McKenzie's out there kissing babies, shaking hands, defying COVID in its face because she is running for office <laughs> and politics does not wait for anyone. She's running to become a judge there in Pennsylvania, which that's a whole other topic we can talk about. Why are we electing judges? Uh, yeah, that's something we should talk about with McKenzie okay. not being here. But hey, we have a lot to unpack, Chris, because you are now going to be our legal expert and our sports expert, because that's just, you and I think we're experts on everything. Uh, are, do you have a drink ready, ready to go? Oh, I'm good to go. I've been waiting for this moment my entire life, Joel, since you invited me onto the podcast. This is at, it. We are- I'm at the show. I'm at the big show now. I'm at the adults table. <laughs> the big show we're talking about. Supreme Court. I mean, come on. We can't get much better than Supreme Court. By the way, I am working on my book, and we have a couple different working titles. Our old title for the book was Debriefing the Law. There is Freedom and Going Commando, and we're going to change Ooh. that title. The reason why I mention it is I basically stayed up all night talking about the Supreme Court and how useless law is. So yes, I'm writing a book on how useless law is, and we'll obviously unpack that book uh, in future podcasts. Uh, but hey, I am raring to go here. The Supreme Court was back in session this last week. They yes, they uh, are. Took their summer off, and I don't know what Supreme Court justices do on vacation. Uh, they hang out in Boca. They they enjoy the scenery. They talk to their you know. Great, 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 great grandkids. They, you know, they thoroughly enjoy listening to talk radio. I just got back from my geriatric cruise, and I'm not sure. They might have been on that geriatric cruise, now that you mention it. Uh, Oh. I I didn't actually. I hear John Roberts is quite the sea captain, so I'm sure he was probably hanging out there enjoying some non-alcoholic beverages. They might have been there. I do know that um, Thomas, uh, Clarence Thomas, is a huge Nebraska Cornhusker fan. So yes. I doubt he would have been there. I'm pretty sure I found every single Cornhusker fan there on the boat. <laughs> so I know at least he wasn't there. So we have the Supreme Court to talk about. Uh, they are just. This is going to be a great term for them. We also are going to unpack what happened last week in the world of sports. You and I are on this mission to get all these young kids to to not live a life of gambling by yep. putting our money on the line and showing how stupid it is so by the end of this podcast we'll go over our previous bets and then make some more picks for this next week again chris we're doing this for the kiddos but always uh, we also we're gonna try to talk a little britney spears as well and a little petito laundry there's a lot to talk about but let's start right off the top with lap dances chris what better topic can you think about to discuss when we're talking law and sports than to talk about lap dances chris bring some sanity here why are we talking about lap dances right off the top i believe this was your idea this is my well because our our favorite nfl coach urban meyer was enjoying according to every social media outlet on the face of the planet he was enjoying a a lap dance some could call it He was, in my generation, we would have called it a little bump and grind, but he was enjoying himself at an Applebee's. It was date night. 
Barber Street Steak. You guys know the song. Um, so Urban was sitting at the bar and people recorded a young co-ed essentially grinding on Urban. He was tapping on her thighs. You know, you could see his hands move around her backside area. You will oh, hold on. Hold on. Tapping her thighs. That that's not what I saw. I saw her turn back, her back to him. Yes. His hands go to the nether regions for a little squeeze. Did you see that? I I did, but also this podcast is listed as clean on most podcast locations. <laughs> right. So I I'm trying to keep that that PG rating for the folks at home. No, Urban was groping her like he was now, looking we- for a ripe cantaloupe. Now, to be fair, this was recorded on a cell phone, so it wasn't like production quality. You don't really see exactly what he did. You just kind of see the hand go to certain areas, and then you make some assumptions as to what took place. What do the police call it? Furlative hand movements? Is that? (laughs) I don't. I believe that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, that was very interesting. So she is doing a lab dance. That's odd. I mean, Chris, I don't really want to get into too much detail about what you do on your spare time, but I got to tell you, I've never gone to Applebee's and, and just sat there at a bar and had someone give me a lap dance. That just doesn't happen. But it doesn't happen to the comedian at law? I, you're it big, doesn't. You're big time. You're big time. I'm allowed Joe. to eat my uh, ribs and chicken platter un, um, unbothered. Unaccosted? I can get yes. that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, same here, Joel, crazy enough. I don't get to go to like an Apple, I don't get to go to a chain restaurant. They're, they're yeah. I, I just get extra breadsticks at Olive Garden. I don't get a lap dance. Right, like, right. It just no. doesn't. It's just not there for me. Maybe that's the extra special menu. I know some people like to order off menus. Well, nonetheless, Ooh. this really became a huge problem for Urban Meyer on a legal and also a sports front. That's why it's the perfect yeah. case situation for us to talk about. But let's start from the very beginning. All right. So his Jacksonville Jaguars had just gotten beat. By was it the Cincinnati Bengals? Yes. Yeah, a horrible loss for them. But, they, uh, the- but let's pause right there because that was a really good game that we'll unpack later in the podcast. They didn't do as horribly as we both predicted they would. So though it was a tough loss, they showed it was some a good game. They showed some gumption. They did. They showed I didn't some chutzpah. Real- I did not realize it, but this was a rematch of the national championship in college a few years ago. When Clemson, led by Trevor Lawrence, lost to Ohio State, whose quarterback was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. And so in this game, Joe Burrow was the quarterback for Cincinnati. Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback for Jacksonville. This was a rematch. Of, I don't know if it was the championship game. It, it at least was in the college playoff. Um, it might have been a semifinal game. Uh, right. It was a rematch of that. A huge game. Very exciting game. I watched it. I'm sure you did as well. And um, But... But Urban Meyer was on the losing side, making some progress. So here's my first point of contention. Your team is now 0-4. This is mm-hmm. not a good start to the season. I don't think Urban Meyer's probably lost four games in the previous five years of coaching. I don't know. I definitely know Trevor Lawrence had not lost more than two games in his entire collegiate career during the right. regular season. This was a huge deal that they're 0-4. They have yet to get a win. Why is he there in a bar in Ohio when his team is on a plane flying back to Jacksonville? Why is he not with his team? Well, that's part of what the problem is with Urban Meyer, right? They they don't trust him. He's not creating a cohesive unit. He's doing his own thing. There's no, you know, there's no love for one another. They're the and the players have have through anonymous sources in the media, which we can unpack that later, um, have said they have no confidence in urban. He's not doing anything to create a cohesive unit. And I also think if you look at all of uh, Trevor Lawrence's interviews post game, or if you listen to or pay attention to his Twitter feed, he sounds like a man, like just waiting, right? Like just lying in wait for urban to leave and for a better coach or a different coach to come in and let, you know, the program kind of congeal and, and grow together. So there's really no, you're, they're not buddies. Nobody's no, hanging out and loving Urban Meyer. I don't want to suggest any conspiracy theories here. I will point out as a legal matter, he now has put his contract in jeopardy. He has. As, you po- as you point out, there are two different clauses in his contract. There is a moral clause and a performance clause. Here you right. got a young college co-ed. Failing Apparently he both. Violate, yeah. 
maybe violated both these clauses. I don't know, but that he is now putting his mil, multi-million dollar contract in jeopardy. And the reason right. why I'm going to say there might be a conspiracy theory in Nebraska, there is a little bit of unrest this past week. Uh, we right. Unrest has been settled just a bit, but nonetheless, there's been some unrest with our coach, Scott Frost. Is he the man for the job? People are looking down the road and saying, Maybe Urban Meyer might be a perfect fit for Nebraska. Maybe he'll be our next coach. We'd love to have him be our, you know, but he's there coaching Jacksonville. Chris, again, for the conspiracy right. theorists. Let's do, do you know this. the name of the, Do you know the name of this lady who was grinding on uh, Urban Meyer? Do you know what her name was? I actually don't. Cayman, Nebraska. That is her name. I kid you not. Her last name is Stars Nebraska. Are aligning, Joel. Let the conspiracy theorists begin. Will he be the next coach? Was this a secret plot to undermine his contract there? <laughs> I don't know. But nonetheless, um, hey, we would take Urban Meyer. We like Scott Frost. He won one week for us, so he's bought himself another year. Hopefully, it depends on the There you go. The That's goes. a solid high bar right there. Just get us exactly. one victory. But just know, when it comes to law, the law can say one thing. Your contract can say one thing. Right. You got to win games in the NFL. You got to win you, games. If gotta you are win not, games. Yeah, if you are 0 and 4 and then you don't ride with your team home and then you go to a bar where you allow this to happen. And Chris, here's the other thought. Now, everyone should be taking notes on this. I'm about to tell you something that everyone needs to write down and record, put to memory. Are you ready? I'm writing it down. I have pen and I have pen to paper right now. Even though this is going to be recorded and logged into annals, I still have pen to paper. Good, good. Because this will help you keep it in memory, right? If you just right. hear it, it'll quickly be discarded. That's what they say about sermons. But if you take notes, right. you have a better chance of remembering this and applying it to your life. Here That's you go. That's why you write your own outlines at law school, kids. That's right. Don't That's buy right. outlines. Write them yourself. <laughs> well, and buy outlines as well. That's another yeah. story. All right. Buy Joel's Here outline. it is. There are video cameras running everywhere. Now, this is why I have such an easy job. I get access to these copies. I run them in my class. We do these classes for lawyers. We do all the screw-ups by people out there in the world and in courtrooms. I love the fact that video cameras are constantly running, but everywhere. you have to understand if you are a celebrity or if you are trying to get out of a marriage, I don't know. Just know there are video <laughs> cameras running everywhere. Everywhere. something... Yeah, if you do something you should not be doing, just know it, that will be an, an exhibit A in your trial. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, he was well, caught. Everyone today with an iPhone or an Android is also a journalist. You're so right. we're, all, we're all here about to make it big on the next meltdown or for Urban Meyer's sake, the next 21-year-old girl grinding on you. So Urban Meyer would have been well served. Now, here's the other thought. Do you buy what he was saying his defense was look i'm just there eating some food this lady comes up to me wants a dance or picture i say no to the dance yes to the picture that's all it was now the report from his team is look the coach lost all credibility now here's where i'm not buying this there's a little bit of rub to this story pun intended the, you've <laughs> got to know the players are, some of those players are doing way worse than that. I mean, I've heard the stories of what of NFL players are doing. They're not I'm, laughing at Urban Meyer because he did this. They're nope. laughing at him because of his lame excuse as to what happened. No, Urban, we saw what your hand was. That's not a pose for a picture. We saw what your hand was doing. Own up to it. But he's not going up to it. He the, he was somewhat less than forthright, I believe, in his explanation. Nonetheless, as you and I have said before, if he wins this week, all be will fine. be forgotten. Everything yeah. will be forgiven. Everything be will forgiven. be forgiven. What have you done for me lately in the NFL? It's can you give me the W? All right. Well, let's now exactly. move on from that legal matter to the Supreme Court of the United States. Quite a big jump, but hey, that's what happened last week. The Supreme Court opened up its session, and Chris, they went back to live in-person arguments. So during COVID, they went to Zoom court proceedings, and so everything, everyone was in their homes. That's where we got Flushgate, apparently, allegedly. I hope I got enough qualifiers in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Justice Breyer flushed the toilet. That's McKinney's yep. uh, uh, thought. Is that it was Breyer that did it. He has not owned up to it. Uh, that was recorded in the court reporter transcribed, you know, toilet flushing in background. 
but actually you could hear it, but Corey Porter did mention wild. that. It was a news story. Apparently, the chief was tired of that. The chief likes to keep a tight ship going. They are back in live session now in court. There were eight of them up there. Kavanaugh was not there. Apparently, he got COVID last week. He, he was still at home. But uh, the issue is, would Thomas still talk? You know, is he now chatty Clarence? Uh, you know, before Clarence. they went to this whole pandemic uh, setting where people were at home, Clarence Thomas never asked questions. I mean, he was the silent justice. They went to this COVID proceeding where he then started talking. What do you think? Would uh, you think Clarence Thomas is going to become chatty Clarence? I think, and, and this is according to Chris, right? There's no medical information behind this. There's no society. There's no studies behind this. But now that it is a conservative majority, and right. now that Scalia who was the head of the conservative minority for many years and the majority at times, even when, um, you know, John Roberts being um, chief justice, I think Clarence feels a little more talking about Clarence. Like we have barbecues on the weekend, justice. Hey, Scalia, he's a Nebraska fan. Right. Uh, I think, or I think justice Thomas now feels more comfortable to be talking, right? The, the voice of the old school conservative needs to be heard. I think in his opinion, um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be a chatty Cathy. I think he's definitely going to do some heavy lifting. Whereas in years past, he left that to Scalia. Well, I hope so. I think he is brilliant. I love listening to him talk. He does ask very pointed questions. He does. Uh, and so, he gets a bad rap from people as to why he is silent, but nonetheless, uh, now the court is back in live session, he was still talkative. Almost every single every single case that I looked at from last week, he is there in the transcript several times. I think they're still going down the road, even though there is some give and take. It's still primarily, hey, Justice uh, Thomas, do you have any questions? Now, Justice Breyer, do you have any questions? So they are right. still kind of going down that road. But right, nonetheless, right. he still uh, asked questions and participated during oral argument. I hope uh, for the sake of all Nebraska fans, he continues <laughs> with that approach. All right. Well, the court did have a couple of cases last week. I want to mention one first. I'm going to need your help with this one. USV oh, yes. Zubeda. I think I pronounced that correctly. Do you have a better uh, pronunciation? No, I think that's exactly. You hit all the syllables. Good, good, good. Uh, U.S. Uh, v. Zubeda. And the reason why I mention this, this case involved an issue that I believe was scripted by a Hollywood director. You cannot get a better yes. issue than this one. Let me tell you what the issue was in this case. Let's do this. Uh, the issue I'm reading right from the the, the um uh the, the brief here. Whether the Court of Appeals erred when it required discovery to proceed against former CIA contractors on matters concerning alleged clandestine CIA activities. Oh. Now, Chris, I love seeing that word clandestine I love it. CIA I love it. activities. This is made for a Hollywood movie. Oh, it a hundred percent is it's well, and it was a Hollywood movie. We talked about this. They did zero dark 30 already. Right, everything right, yeah, this, that was in zero dark 30 is everything except it's in Poland. That's the only difference. Now we're okay. going to take place in Poland. It's going to be lots of bridges and cathedrals. Um, but other than that, it's the it's the same thing that was trouted out in in Zero Dark Thirty, and I think it's funny because, um, you know, doing doing a read of this case, this like I've already got everybody in my head who's playing every actor, who's playing the CIA agents, right, right. you know, who's who's playing the Polish police officers, who's playing um, Abu Zueda. Like, let's do this. Let's hit. This I want to play the lawyer uh, that's going to appear oh, in court. So I'm going to put should. my name in there early. I have no acting skills whatsoever, no acting chops, but nothing. Yeah, this is allegedly that they did some waterboarding on this prisoner yep. in Guantanamo. Uh, and then the issue is. He wants discovery as to the waterboarding techniques. Well, the U.S. government is saying, no, we're not going to give you information. That's not, we have national security interests at play here. So they're going to the U.S. Supreme Court over whether this prisoner can take discovery of right. the United States, the CIA's clandestine activities. Based upon oral argument, it seems very doubtful that they will allow that. Though at the right. end of the argument, an interesting thought was brought up. And that is, look, if you want information in court about what took place, 
why don't you just tell your story? You have your story. You remember it. Why don't you just talk about the waterboarding and let the government not defend itself? Why could that not be a possible resolution of this issue? And so, uh, yeah, they started off with a bang there. Another case last week, wouldn't the United States. Now, I understand you have been following this case closely. So this is kind of, this is where my legal wheelhouse, or at least I like to hang out in because, um, so I enjoy a good criminal defense case. I, I like to see how the criminal law system, that's just my, that that's what really gets me going. So I always love to see a case coming up on fourth amendment issues, come to the soups and let them have, have their discussion with it. Um, so for background, um, I'll just hit it up real quick. So, uh, this guy, William Wooden, who's the, def- who is the, the appellate here in like 1996 or 97, he broke into a mini storage facility and he stole from 10 different units. He was caught. He was pled or he was, he was given 10 counts or he had 10 counts of burglary. He pled guilty. We're done, right? We've now ended the trial. No appeal. He pled guilty. We're done. He is still on felony probation um, years later, uh, which is going to play into this. But we're now done. We have we have fully reached a verdict and adjudicated this case completely done. It's on the shelf except for the felony probation portion of it. Okay. so so let's fast forward to 2014. So 17 years later, Wooden is at his house. Um, He has a firearm. He has the ammunition and the in the a plane, a plainclothes officer. Finds him with the the rifle and ammunition, arrests him for being a felon in possession of a gun. Now, we can have the discussion about restoration of rights and how many years before you can get your right to bear arms back or or the punitive prison system and criminal justice system. That's a whole different podcast for another time. But the court throws it out, essentially saying that plainclothes officer was not in a legally um, operative position to notice the gun. So essentially the court said the cop shouldn't have been there. He had no reason to be looking in uh, wounds window, the whole nine yards. Okay. But for the police's illegal act, they would not have found the rifle. So the court throws it out, you know, calls it a fourth amendment issue. um, Suppresses the gun. Wooden goes free. Well, then the, the state's attorney comes back and goes, well, under this section, of the U.S. Code, a felon in possession of firearms and ammunition is a violation. So now we're going to charge you on the federal side, even though at the state side it got thrown out. Interesting. The federal, the federal judge decided, no, the, the cop was in a totally legally operative position. He shouldn't have been in charge with the firearms. And so now they bring it back and he's found guilty because legitimately he was in possession of the firearms and the ammunition. That's not that's right, right. that that's not an issue at contention here, but now the sentencing is coming back and they're saying, well, not only are you a felon in possession of a firearm because you violated your probation from this case from 14 years ago, we're going to string the cases together and sentence you based off of this. Interesting. All right. So that's the question that's in front of the court right now is, can you under this section it's 18 USC 19 or 922 is is there a time limit for furtherance of a crime can you string these crimes together are these crimes you know at least somewhat you know tied together right can can you say that the the burglary and the possession of the firearm 14 years later somehow is tied tied or advances each other's crime and the government makes the case that yes it does and they make it really poorly because in my in my opinion and again chris marone do not take this as legal advice i give only information there's no there's no way to connect the two the guy didn't own the gun he didn't use a gun during the the burglary if it was it would have been robbery he it was 17 years ago. The The rifle and the ammunition probably wasn't even made back then. I would probably need to check that. Um, the The gun that he had that he was in possession of, he wasn't using in the commission of another burglary. He wasn't showing any sort of illegal activity outside of possessing the firearm. It's Georgia. Everyone has right, a gun. Right. Okay, right. it's it's the it's like tech like the South people have guns. It's part of the culture of being down there. He wasn't brandishing it out in public. He didn't have it in a roof like a gun rack on the back of his truck. He 
the the cop was already once found to be in a illegal position to notice it. He did violated the feeling, reasonable expectation. What? Did you get a feeling how the court was going to go on this case? I think they're going to say that it's it's not connected. That's okay. my feeling on it. But also, when it comes to issues of felons and firearms, you often see the court taking a hard stance. Um, and I think, again, opinion, it's tied to the backlash to go against gun control, right? The the court and, and the conservative court that we have is very much in agreement that lawful abiding citizens should have every right to own and possess guns. There is right. another case that we'll talk about. Uh, or we might get to today about the New York law. The and there's nothing wrong with that. Second Amendment is built that way, right? Where you know shall not be infringed. But the court has also been very hesitant in years past to allow felons to get their gun rights restored. It's a very difficult process. I live in Arizona. It is an extremely difficult process to get your gun rights restored, even in a state right. like Arizona. And so I think the court may, I, I, I shouldn't say may, I would say there's probably a 40%, I'm going to call it 60-40, a 40% chance that the court is going to say, yeah, the gun was connected to the event. He, he was on probation for this felony. He knew the terms and conditions of his probation. We should tie the sentencing together. All and right. I, well, to wa- go on. And, and so... It, it it hurts my heart for that one because right, right. this this isn't the this isn't the role of the courts this isn't the role we're let this isn't this isn't tied together there is no there's no actual tying up and look i am i we all know this i am a very liberal individual and i have very staunch beliefs on gun rights but my belief that the court and the district attorney and the federal courts going after this guy for just owning a gun while he's right. a felon on a nonviolent probation is a whole thing we need to unpack as part of our justice system. We'll have to follow this case and see how the court uh, uh, decides this case. What is an occasion? Will the Second Amendment peer its head into the holding of this case? Will it play a part? Will equity be done here? They have some compassion on this particular individual. That would be a shock. But nonetheless, yeah, this right. is a fun, uh, interesting case to watch, and we'll stay on top of that. Well, one other case I want to mention from last week, and the reason why I'm doing this is just to bore our listeners to tears, and that is Mississippi v. Tennessee. No, this is not a great SEC <laughs> matchup. This is the water case. And so, Chris, as you know, one slam dunk way you can get to the U.S. Supreme Court is to have a state between or a case between two states like you know Texas versus Kansas or whatever. And if you're going to have that, it's going to probably be over water rights. That's, that's a very common issue that very comes up. So. And so they start off their term. They probably thought that she probably thought, OK, Let's get rid of the boring ones right off the bat. Uh, you know, no one cares about water rights, so why don't we just start off our term right. and just get this one off our plate and then let's assign it to the rookie justice and they again then she can write the opinion. But hey, there was a water case last week. That's all we're gonna mention. All right, before we leave the topic of the Supreme Court, Chris, I do want to just give a glimpse as to what this term is going to bring, because many experts are saying. This is it. This is going to be one of the most impactful, controversial terms in the Supreme Court's recent history. This term, they will be taking up none other than abortion, the Second Amendment, and religious freedoms, and then possibly even throw on top of that uh, affirmative action. So they're going to throw in every controversial topic you can think about during this term, they could be upsetting long-standing precedent. And so we are going to be on top of those cases. Again, uh, the, 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 um, the abortion case will be Dobbs v. Jackson Women's yep. Health Organization. That is a Mississippi case. And as you know, Chris, there was another issue that came up on abortion just a couple of weeks ago out of Texas. So that yep. case might appear, it's, uh, you know, rear its head in this issue as well. Uh, yeah, you got uh, this Supreme Court going to be deciding the future of, a, of abortion law and the rights of the, the pre-born in America. Do the pre-born have any rights in America? Is that something that courts can analyze? 
who gets to make that call? It would it be nine Supreme Court justices, or would it be the state legislators who gets to determine the rights that preborns have? Um, fascinating legal issue. The Second Amendment is going to come up, and that is the case in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Yep. Buren, where the issue is: Can do you have a constitutional right to have a gun? For self-defense, is that a right that we possess? To what extent do we have that right? Which I find funny a- because I felt that this was already decided back when Justice Scalia was talking. Like, I, I appreciate the challenging of the law, but I really think that this one's going to be a slam dunk, easy one that they're just going to knock down. Right. I think they're just bringing it up to knock it down. And now that there's enough conservative judges on the bench, it's not going to be a um, controversial decision. Right. They've already the knocked issue it down is a not few gonna times. Be- I agree with you. The issue is not going to be the the um, the outcome of the case. I think right. we're, we're, we know how that's going to be. There's, there's six conservative justices when right. it comes to the Second Amendment. The issue is going to be the standard of review that is yes. applied. In the Heller case, um, that's the landmark Second Amendment case from yep. DCV Heller, the issue in that case was whether or not D.C. can have this ordinance that regulated handguns and prohibited loaded firearms even in one's house. And the Supreme Court said... No, there's a there's a Second Amendment right, a personal right to keep and bear arms. As right. to what standard of review we should apply, i.e., rational basis review, intermediate scrutiny, strict scrutiny, the court said, yeah, we're gonna pass on that. We're gonna say yep. that this flat out ban is unconstitutional under any standard of review. So the court punted on that back in 2008. And so today the issue is okay, will the court actually determine what the standard of review is that should be applied? Because, Chris, once they set that standard of review, it's not going to be used in a case like you just mentioned. Oh, now an ex-felon wants a gun, and the state is saying no. Are we going to analyze that no decision under rational basis, under strict scrutiny, or somewhere in the middle? And so we'll have to see how the court uh, decides that case. So exciting term. All right, now let's go to... The other end of the spectrum. I said the other end. I mean, we, we started off with 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 grinding. What term did you use for that? Bump and grind. Bump and grind. We started with bump, bump and, grind. and grinding. We go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now let's kind of go back somewhere in the middle. Let's talk Britney Spears. I, I feel like I got to mention it. We actually did a great podcast on this last week. McKenzie analyzed it. I know it's a big uh, concern for her, the whole free Britney movement. I'm behind it as well. But we lost that podcast. It got lost in the recording, Aww. and it was not a clean recording, so we, we cannot play that. But nonetheless, uh, the, there's a huge development last week in the Free Britney case. There was another hearing, and in this hearing, the issue was whether or not the dad, um, uh, Britney Spears, uh, whether his uh, conservatorship should be terminated or whether or not they should terminate the conservatorship. And his right. lawyers... We're saying, look, you know, we vehemently oppose suspending him as a conservator. In fact, we should just terminate this conservatorship right now. No further analysis required. Brittany's lawyer said, yeah, not so fast. No, no. Before we terminate this conservatorship, oh, we'll get there. We'll get there in due time. Before we get there, we want to change conservators. In other words, we want to see the documents. We want to see the files. Right. Why was Brittany's a personal conservatorship ever put in place why was the decision made that she could not procreate and have children what were you doing to poor Brittany? how are you spending this money we want to see those records so don't think we can just terminate this conservatorship right now we're going to appoint a new conservator and we're going to review what you did and so stay tuned to that one that case is ongoing and i'm sure there will be new developments and i can't wait yeah i can't wait for this this is gonna be amazing I gotta admit, I'm a Britney Spears fan. I don't know why I'm a Britney Spears fan. I like country music, uh, but you know, <laughs> she she's out there and she became America's darling. Everyone kind of watched her. Then they all kind of saw the breakdown, you know, uh, right. the shaving of the head. And so there was concern for her. It's like, oh no, did Hollywood take another young person and just eat them up and spit, chew them up and spit them out? And then you heard the rumors, and now you're trying to actually find out what actually happened to Britney over these years with the personal conservatorship and how she wants to to run her own life. And, and Chris, the funny thing to me is, the issue is, well, but Britney, she's not really qualified to make these, these decisions. 
yeah, if that were the standard, what athlete would have access to their money? What uh, other Hollywood actor? I mean, if, if the issue is someone else can make a better, more wise decision than you with your money, I'm not sure even I would have access to my yeah. bank account. And, and so we're, we're going to follow this case and see where it leads. I think that's funny because um, I don't call that a conservatorship. I call that my wife. Like, I don't have access to my money. My wife <laughs> has access right. to all the money. Like, she knows that I'm going to blow it on Cheetos and probably betting on the sports games that you and I talk about. So, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I'm a grown man with a law degree that's been able to practice law in his lifetime, but I need a conservator to make sure that I don't blow all my money. If that were the standard, yeah. You should know, Your Honor, I don't need a personal conservatorship or a financial. I am married. And so, I am oh, married. Okay, we are good there then. Someone else is monitoring the situation. We are good to go. <laughs> All right, I want to shift gears here again. We're talking about the law. I know today we're kind of shifting in a bunch of different gears, but there's a lot I want to cover. And oh, another issue has been dominating the news cycle of late. And, and I want to talk about because I don't think this issue has gotten a fair discussion, a fair treatment in the news. What I am talking about is uh, the Petito murder and the yes. laundry uh, uh, case. Uh, oh, laundry very much case. so. I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I have not watched a lot of, of news, so I don't see I must, I read his name. It looks like it's my dirty laundry, but nonetheless, you get the idea. Laundry is the 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 fiance, the guy. He yep. is allegedly on well, he's on the run. No one knows where he is. Uh and, and so the allegation is that he murdered his fiance. And, and so we all know that story. I don't want to focus on him. He clearly is a bad apple. I mean, I, I don't know how he comes out of this in any way looking good. Even if there's some resolution to this that we're not thinking about where he didn't do this, he came back from that campsite without his fiance right. and Left didn't tell there. anyone what happened. You, you can't do that, right? Even if you had this horrible argument and you guys split up, you're not going to just leave her uh, you know, there in the national forest. That, that's right. just, he, he does not come out. I don't want to talk about him. What I want to talk about are his parents because his parents are under a lot of public ridicule because you know the, the son comes back and spends some time with the parents so then law enforcement goes to the parents and the parents decide to button up and not talk to law enforcement and so there's a lot of criticism of the parents for what they did now chris i want to suggest that the parents should be cut some slack here i, I don't find their silence to be that bad. In fact, if if it were, if I were the parents, uh, or if I were the parents of lawyers, right, I would advise them to do the exact same thing to button it up. And here's why I am making that point, Chris. And I would it'd be interested in your response. Oh, I love this. But I'm gonna assume that that this 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 lady had already passed away. So I'm gonna assume that the 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 parents knew that this that their future daughter-in-law was uh, had passed away. And they were just really talking to their son about how, what do you do from this point on? Okay. If the parents say nothing, they don't, they don't talk to cops. That's not a violation of the law. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to help law enforcement do uh, an investigation. Now, if you right. were subpoenaed and you showed up in court, yes, you do have to answer questions in court or plead the fifth. Uh, that is something that the, the courts have the power to compel your testimony, but police no, you don't have any obligation to tell the police. That's not a crime to, to keep your mouth shut. But right. if you open up your mouth and in any way don't tell the full unvarnished truth, that could be considered deception, deceiving law enforcement, and that would is be a crime. a crime. So I think that it was probably wise of the parents, since they are the parents of this person and would likely shade their story in a little bit in favor or light most favorable to their son, it probably was best that they kept their mouths shut. Any thoughts? Lots of thoughts, Joel. We did lots and lots of thoughts on this one. Um, right. Background in criminal defense. Got to put that out there again. I am never a fan of talking to the police. One without a lawyer. If okay. you right off the bat without a lawyer, I'm not one to talk to police again, because police are trained to to elicit information and they have a wider range of legal protections in eliciting eliciting that information than individuals do. So I always think that anytime well they can lie, they can deceive, they have um uh, 
they have trainings at the academies and post um, post academy training in the art of interrogation, investigation. They know how, like us lawyers, like we have learned how to ask the same question in different ways to elicit different responses and results. Right. We like we know how to control the narrative. So as a lay person, and I'm not saying that these people aren't above average intelligence. I'm assuming that they are smart people. We're just trained to get the answers we want to get. Right. And with the media attention and the way things are going, the parents did the absolute smartest thing they could, and they just kept their mouth shut. And even if they didn't know anything, right, we still have a presumption of innocence. So we assume they don't know anything because that's what we do. But also they've got to have known that there's media attention everywhere on this case. It, it's on every news station, every newspaper, every digital ad, everyone's talking about it. Hashtags, the whole nine yards. It was just smart not to talk to the police and let the police do their own job. Right. I, I am, I am so happy that they didn't say, cause too often people are trying to overly help. And they think that if they only help a little bit, that they're going to be okay. A lot of people don't realize that if you don't give the full unencumbered truth, you can be charged with a crime up to even as an alien or as a um, aiding and abetting. Right. Right. And this so, is their kid. As right. they tell stories, might they not tell some stories? Because they think, oh, this really right. isn't that important. Oh, they'll take this right. out of context. They will most likely maybe be. It, will, it wouldn't even be intentional. It might be unintentional. Right. Subconsciously, they would be telling right? a story in a light most favorable to their son. And that could be the land themselves in criminal hot water. Right. And that's a scary, like, look, and, and, and look at the view of these parents, not to, not to minimize the victim's family, but we're looking at the suspect. They're probably not sociopathic murderers. They're probably trying to, they, they probably grieve for the loss of the fiance. They probably, they, they for sure knew her. They knew who she was. They knew her son was going to marry. Like my mom loves my wife just right. as much, if not more than me. So I have to Clearly. believe that on some levels, um, they're also grieving the death of their son's fiance. They're, they're scared that their son might be involved or they may have knowledge that their son's involved. This is a horrible place for any person to be. So shutting right. up and only speaking with a lawyer is the best move at this moment. Kids, that is legal advice. Always now, go out there. talk to a lawyer first. I am going to throw out there that this is all assuming that they knew that she was already dead. If they thought that she was alive somewhere, well, then, yeah, I think there was a moral obligation to go find her and make sure they can rescue her and save her life. But I am assuming they knew that that was not even a possibility at that moment in time, or they just simply did not know at all. But nonetheless, it's, I think the parents should be cut some slack. That is a very difficult situation. In fact, yeah. some laws actually will remove parents from uh, that issue of they, they are allowed to talk to their kids and help them hide out. And it's not a crime just because it's the parents of the kids. Of course, that's what they're going to do. And, and, um, but nonetheless, uh, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. All right. Now, I, I think it's time. Let's move over to the big issue, and that is courtroom quarterback. We've talked the law. We've analyzed the Supreme Court. Now, let's talk a little sports. And and, uh, and this last week was an amazing week of football we already talked about Urban Myers. We don't need to rehash that. But my Nebraska Cornhuskers yes. are back. They they have returned back, to baby. glory. Oh man, I remember the days back in the 1980s and the 1990s. My Cornhuskers just rain rotted almost all of their opponents. I mean, they would blow them out 50 to nothing, 60, 70 to nothing. It was great to watch. Great spectacle. And then they fell on some hard times. Uh, you know, they had the the 2000s. Uh, Tom Osborne retired. There were some issues with athletic directors not appointing uh, the proper coaches and being horrible with, at their job. Nonetheless, we have been in the wilderness now for 20 years. Like the Israelites there, in the, wandering in the wilderness. That's what Nebraska has been doing over the last 20 years. Last week, 
we returned to glory with a 56-7 shellacking over Northwestern. Chris, this week, we got to play Michigan at home. This will Ooh. be the, the tough game. If Is Nebraska really back? You'll find out this week when they play Michigan. I am dying to go to that game. I will not be able to, but I'll watch it on TV. Nebraska is only a three-point underdog. What do you what do you think about that? I God, I Joel, this is gonna hurt your feelings. But they should they should uh Michigan should be a higher higher point spread than than three points. I agree a hundred thousand percent with you. In fact, yeah. Chris, I read this this week. Yeah. Where the Nebraska players took slight. They were insulted that they were only uh or that they were they were a three point underdog. Apparently right. they thought they should be favored. It's like who do you think you are? You, you guys almost had your coach fired last week. Chris, it is so bad. You probably did not watch the Nebraska game. I am not exaggerating. This Our special teams have been so bad, abysmally bad, that this is what they did on punt returns last week. Are you ready for this? You're not going to believe their strategy on every single punt return last week. Fair catch. Fair, you know what? We, fair we suck so bad at returning punts. We are ordering you every single time that ball is punted to wave your arm in the air and do a fair catch. We can't even return a punt. And so, hey, you know what? At least give them credit for recognizing that's what they should be doing. That's better than fumbling. And so, yeah, that was their answer. To their... Fum- I love yeah. when the only other option is fair catch or fumble. Let's have right. that. But you're only favored to lose by three to Michigan. So... How does that make you feel, Jim Harbaugh? Oh, you got to take uh, you got to take Michigan in this case. I'm not going to bet money because I won't bet against Nebraska here. But right. come on, three points. Nebraska almost fired their coach a week ago. We Love have it. a special teams where our next course of coaching will be. Let's just get off the field here and not right. even bother to return the punt. That might at least allow our offense to get the ball again. Yeah, three points. If I were a normal person, I would put the money on Michigan. Bob's I'm too much of a homer. I cannot go against my beloved Cornhuskers. But that is a game definitely to watch. Is Nebraska back or are they going to return to Fire Scott Frost? Um, all right. Uh, how about this thought, um, Chris? Ohio State is Ooh. ranked seventh right now. Okay. All right. How do you feel about that? Well, yeah. eh, my boss is within earshot, so I might say that that's horrible because they should be ranked one. No, I think Ohio State should be ranked much lower than that. I think they sh- they're at least in the. I would I would say that Ohio State is not in the top ten right now. If I had to okay. if I had to start ranking teams, realistically, I wouldn't put Ohio State in the top ten. All right, so here's where I'm going with this: ranked below them is Oregon. Both teams have one loss. The difference is Oregon beat Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio. How is Oregon ranked below Ohio State? Now, let's get back our tinfoil hats and into our conspiracy theories. Which teams bring in more money to the NCAA? Ohio State or Oregon? Right. The Traditionally, who's brought in more money? Who brings in more television time? Who has more fans spread across the United States that would buy DirecTV packages to watch Ohio State football games? Yes, I, I think that, that plays into it. Also, at the end time. of the day, the BCS rankings, they want Ohio State ranked high enough that they can justify putting them into the BCS. They want that Big Ten champion in the BCS, or I mean in the playoffs. And so that's a that's a part of their, their thought process. I, right. I'm totally buying into that conspiracy uh, theory. Uh, and so uh, Ohio State is ranked uh, above Oregon. All right, one other game I want to throw out there for you before we get into our picks for this week. Oklahoma versus Texas. Now, the reason why I find this game interesting, OU is favored by three. I don't care. This, These are the two Big 12 teams who have thumbed their nose at the Big 12. So we are out of here to the SEC. And now this is the showcase K, er, game for the Big 12. If I were the Big 12, I would say, let's not even televise this game. We don't care about these two programs. It will be televised, on, I believe, on ABC. But nonetheless, are you going to be watching the OU-Texas game? Any thoughts on these two Judas-type programs who betrayed the Big 12? Somehow I wish that they would both lose. <laughs> I agree. Like, 
I, I will stop short of I hope for injuries. I never hope for injuries on a game, but I, I hope their coaches have heart attacks. How about that? I hope they both. I hope I hope their board of regents lose. However, that could happen. Um, I hope they hit every red light. I hope that oh. um, right everybody gets their order wrong at Starbucks. I hope that That's every. It. I hope every play is a fumble. Yes. Somehow that would be nice if both teams could find, so could find a way to lose that game. I think both these schools represent the worst of college athletics. They betrayed their brethren at the Big 12. Right. As we know, we're talking law and sports. There is they a did. duty of loyalty under the law when you're in a partnership with someone. There's this idea that you owe a duty of loyalty to your partner to both be working for the common good of each other. That is the very essence of what a partnership means. Here, OU and Texas work to undermine the Big 12 and to destroy it. That violates the essence of what it means to be in a partnership. So I say, good riddance. I will not be watching that game unless I hear that there's some kind of food poisoning that morning. Then I might watch to watch the, the throw-ups. All right, let's move over to our picks. Uh, and Last week... You didn't have your best week. You, you've oh, been no. doing quite well. Uh, nope. You uh, struggled last week, I believe, to a two and three finish. Uh, mm. What do you have this week for us? Any games kind of strike you as being interesting? Um. Well, it's it's Forty Niners at Arizona. We got the Niners coming to coming to Cardinal Stadium, and makes me a little torn because I'm going to have to look you dead in the eye or dead in the podcast and go, Arizona's going to beat my Forty ers so who are you picking in that game? So Arizona is favored by five and a half. Uh, the over under is 50. I'm going to go take the over and I'm going to take Arizona. And Arizona's over 50 and Arizona. Arizona's four and oh, right? Okay. They, they got to be, they got to lose one week. They're not, uh, Niners have, have dropped the last two. They go and they lose three. We like to call that a losing streak where I'm from. Right, right. But. It's Trey Lance's team now. Garoppolo is. Have they officially gone over now to Trey Lance? The the they haven't. I think they're going to make it a game day decision. Okay, but uh, it's definitely Trey Lance's team now. The 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 there's the fundamental shift. If if you're a uh, a guy like me that watches Bay Area news, which I know you're not, Joel. Um, he's the one warming up. Um, in the the practices, he's the one who's taking the snaps. He's the one who's who's doing it all. So, um, I think they're transitioning Trey Lance over to to QB one. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be su- I would be surprised. Uh, I if I would not be surprised. Sorry, I would not be surprised if Garoppolo started, but that Trey held most of the minutes. Okay. All right. Now uh, I do like that pick of over fifty because you have. Uh, Jeff Klingsbury, who's the coach of Arizona, he yep. in college was not known for his defensive prowess. And so right. he's an offensive juggernaut with a great offensive-minded uh, quarterback. Uh, he likes to run and throw, a high-scoring affair. I think they're going to easily reach that 50 points. I do like your over of 50. All right, what, what's your next bet? Uh, I want to go with Titans and Jaguars. Okay. Only because... Uh, Titans are only favored by four. Right. Um, over under 48.5. So I definitely think it's going to be the under. Definitely going to be the under. But I want to see Urban lose five in a row. <laughs> All right. So you are taking the Titans minus the four points. Actually, Joel, I want Urban to win five in a row. But I think with everything that's happened this week, he's going to win this one. I think the Jags are going to beat the Titans. I think it's going to be the over. I'm sorry. I believe it's going to be the under because they did have a good showing against Cincinnati, though they fell apart in the second half as we as we were texting about it. But I think Urban Meyer now is like, oh, crap, like firing is a real thing. And Urban's getting paid twelve million dollars this season, according to to multiple outlets. Right. Um, That's that's incentive. I, I think that if he that right and if he wins this game even against the Titans they're not the firing talk is going to go away. I agree with you. I think that wouldn't go over my picks. Yeah, we're going to see that we are in agreement on that one. Right. That's going to be another one where you and I apparently independently both came to the same decision. Right. Do you have any more picks? Uh I think the Rams are going to defeat the Seahawks, but I just want to see the Rams 
do because they lost to the they lost to the Cardinals last week and the Seahawks beat the Niners. So this is just pure revenge, vengeful thoughts. I, right, I this I is will. emotionally driven. All right. Now I will say on that one, Rams defeating Seahawks. That's another one that I agree with you on. In fact, that is one I picked last week. I don't know if you remember we, during our production meeting yep. last week, I told you I got so excited making my picks last week. I kept yep. on going. So these were great games. And then I realized, oh, wait a second. That's not this week's game. That's next week's game. So I called that game last week. A Rams defeating Seahawks. Uh, and so um, that's another one that you and I are in agreement on. All right, let me tell you my. So those are your five yep. picks. Yep. Let me tell you my picks. I have Falcons over the Jets. I just believe the Jets are still the worst team in the history of any sports franchise, and so also I'm going to keep but, piling on them. Even though I know they won last week, they're going to go back to their losing ways this week. And you got to uh, give I'm it a, to Zach Wilson, man. This is his first NFL win. We should give him a little round of applause. College quarterback, right. his first NFL win. Good for Zach. This will be a, two horrible teams. I know you said, Joel, why are you picking these two horrible teams? I think the Jets are going to lose by more than a field goal. The Saints, minus oh, two yeah. over Washington. Hold, I want to go Saints. back to that one real quick. But I just want, just for the record, at this point in our lives right now, Zach Wilson has more wins than Trevor Lawrence in the NFL. Wow. Mark that down yep. right now. When it comes to time for Hall of Fame voting, just know Zach Wilson has a lead over Trevor Lawrence. All exactly. Right. Okay. Sorry, I had to throw All that right. out the, there. The Saints, I'm taking the Saints, minus two over Washington. I think the Saints are a helter-skelter team, but uh, their coach knows how to get them going near the end of the year. They are two and two, and so they have to get their, their stuff going down the right path. I think he will correct their errors, and they're going to be Washington and, and cover the two-point spread. The Jags, for the same reasons you mentioned, I have them over the Titans. Got I, I just to. noticed this trend. Whenever there is a huge adversity in professional sports, these guys are professional. And it just seems like those, those tend to be rallying cries for the team. Or, or another thing can happen the team could implode. Well, I think that Jack that Urban Meyer is a is a good coach. He is not one at every single level without an ability to actually coach his, his his guys. And so I think he will find a way this week to rally the troops. I think they will win one for him. They, they These guys are all professionals. They will use this as a moment of adversity to bring things together, and they will cover that four-point four spread. All right, Chargers, Browns. The Chargers are a two-point uh, you know, uh, favorite. I'm going to take the Chargers minus a two over the Browns. And here, okay. the Chiefs and the Bills. Now, the, I have no idea who's going to win this game. But what I am sure of is it's going to be high scoring. I mean, both of these quarterbacks are going to be lighting it up. Hey, the Chiefs last week played. Uh, and do you know that in their game last week, do you know how many punts there were in the Chiefs game by either team? No, actually, was it a high right, punting I'm, game? I'm going to give you the over-under in the Chiefs game <laughs> last week, and then I'm going to have you take either the over or under. All right, All right. You ready? Go. One. I'm taking the under. You would be right. No <laughs> Zero punts. punts last week in Zero. the Chiefs game. Neither side punted the ball, and uh, I think you can see more of the same this week. It's going to be a high-scoring affair, and uh, the Bills are an offensive juggernaut of late. The Chiefs are as well. They're going to blow that 56.5 point, uh, point spread, and it's going to be uh, well on the over. And then, of course, I'm taking the Rams to defeat the Seahawks because I picked that last week. Those are my six picks for this week, and so we will see how things go. All right, by the way, our, our records so far, just if you're interested, I am 11 and 8. Uh, I finished 3 and 2 last week. Chris, you are 13 and 7. And so Ooh. you are, you finished 2 and 3 last week. You have a huge lead. So you start with $500. You're at $560. Uh, I started at $500. And I am now at $530. So I'm catching up on, on you. All right, Chris. I promised I would do this. Uh, I know we are the courtroom quarterback, and we love to talk football. All day. That's my passion. That's my knowledge. Uh, but I know you have another love, and um, I'm not talking about your wife. I I'm talking about <laughs> baseball. And so I want to give you a little bit of a, of a platform here oh. to share your thoughts on what I think is going to be a real compelling uh, playoff, uh, baseball playoff series. But tell me why I should care about the San Francisco Giants versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, 
First off, you should only care about the San Francisco Di- the San Francisco Giants and never care about the Dodgers. But the, again, right. go, and kids go back and listen to last week's podcast where I explain how I did not invite a person to my wedding because they were a Dodger fan. That that <laughs> right. is how much I loathe the Dodgers and well Joe Buck last week's podcast. But you should care about this for a couple reasons. Baseball is wacky. For those of you who don't follow baseball as much, it's a 162-game season played over roughly eight months. During that time, there's an old adage that says you win 52, or you win 54, you lose 54, and it's what you do with the other 54 that makes okay. things happen. So as we enter in the postseason for um, baseball, the Giants had won 107 games to clinch wow. their division. The Dodgers won 106 games, and they are playing wow. for the wild card position. Now, again, wild card is a one-game playoff where if you lose that game, you're out of the playoffs. Well, here's the problem with just the baseball as a whole. Giants, 107, most winning team this season. Dodgers, 106, least or second most winning team. The other teams, which are the Brewers, they only won 90 games. Oh, wow. So the Dodgers outperformed the other teams by close to 10 to 15 wins. Now, in any sport, like That's let's huge. take football, right? Football's a 20 game season. If you win by 15, if you win 15 games and the other team only wins three, the three seat does not rank higher than you in the playoffs. Right, right. But in baseball, it does because it's yeah. it's 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 who your division rolls out to in the NL West, where the Giants and the Dodgers play, is a very tough division. Not this year, but in years past, right? In the the division are the Padres, the Rockies, and the Diamondbacks. Both of those teams finished about thirty games behind, meaning they 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 topped out at about seventy nine wins. Versus the Giants 107 and the Dodgers 105. That has to be a record, I would think, for a wild card team. I, I can't it is. imagine. It actually, history, it is. It is a record ever be for a wild, wild card team. team with more than 106 wins. Uh, that is right. an amazing record. Now, if I'm not mistaken, in this round of the baseball playoffs, it's a five game series. It's not your it's, traditional seven game series right. that you'll see in the next round and in the World Series. This is harkening back to the playoffs back in the 1980s when it was a five-game series. And so right. it's, anyone's, it's anyone's matchup. So who would you say, I know you're a homer, so I want you to take that homerism and set it to the side for just a bit. Who has the better starting pitching? The, the Dodgers do. And okay. look, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm fighting the tears. Um, the Giants could win this series against the Dodgers, and we're going to logic circle it out. If the Giants are, if the Dodgers are doing well and the Giants are doing well, um, the Dodgers win. If the Dodgers are doing poorly and the Giants are doing poorly, the Dodgers win. If the Giants are doing well and the Dodgers are doing poorly, the Giants win. There is okay, so one they- path for the Dodgers or for the Giants to win. And that's for the Dodgers to do poorly because after the all-star break, the Dodgers are, I want to say like 75%, like 75% wins. And the Giants kept it at our, you know, our close to 66% victory across the season. So, Chris, I am going to watch this for you. Uh, I don't normally watch playoff baseball if my Kansas City Royals are not in it, which means I've only watched playoff baseball twice in the last 50 years. That's right. another story. Uh, but, but you did go win. ahead and give You did me. win one year. <laughs> we did win. That's right. 19, or I'm sorry, 2015, a great yeah. year. It's like it was yesterday. I remember all those games. Amazing <laughs> time. But nonetheless, I'm going to watch it for you. But give me two players that I should – hey, these guys are our future Hall of Famers. These are difference makers. They're, they're the clutch hitters. They're, when it's two outs and the game's on the line, they will come through. If you were, if you were the Kansas City Royals, I would say Salvador Perez. Who is that? Who are those players in this series that I should watch? Give me two players. Two players. So you're, you're going to want to watch Brandon Crawford for okay. – 
uh, San Francisco Giants. He's been a, I mean, he's an elder statesman. He's had an MVP year. He's amazing. Um, he's leading the Giants on all fronts, including morale. He is, he is the guy. He's shortstop. Um, I think he got picked up by the Giants in 2009, and he's been playing nonstop. He has just been an all-around utility player and really stepped it up this year. Brandon Crawford, he's going to be the guy you want to watch from the Giants. Giants also okay. has a bunch of other guys that I can fanboy over for a while, but I'm not going to do that. For the Dodgers. That's why I limited you to two. I knew you right. could go on forever. I had to limit you because I know you had work to do. I'm looking after your best interest here. Your wife made right. me do this. Uh, just give me two. And then, and then I want you to look at Max uh, Scherzner for the Dodgers. He is a pitcher. He came in after the All-Star break from the Nationals. He is a phenomenal pitcher. Absolutely okay. amazing. So you're going to want to watch for him. He's going to be Hall of Fame one day, but he is an ace, and he is going to be leading the Dodgers in this this pennant race. So right. watch for Brandon. Watch for Max. It's going to be good games all the way around. It's diehard rivalry since back when they were in New York, both of them, right? New York Giants, That's New York right. Dodgers. It was a rivalry. It's a 100-year rivalry. And cherry on top, this is the first time they've ever met in the playoffs. Ever. Interesting. All right. So it's just it's just romantic all the way around. I'm re- I'm excited to watch. I will say I have nightmares about um, the San Francisco Giants. The, my Kansas City <laughs> Royals played them for the World Series in 2014. Right. And Madison Bumgarner was a superhero that series. Amazing. Uh, I don't even mind losing that series, mainly because we won the next year. But he was such an amazing athletic freak uh, during that series. It was just a spectacle to watch. Uh, is he still pitching? He is, but he pitches for Arizona now. So what? Madison got traded two seasons ago over to the Diamondbacks. You guys so are hosed. You guys are hosed. The worst mistake oh. ever. Do not <laughs> surprise me. Come back on this podcast next week, and you are crying tears because oh, you let tears. Madison Baumgartner go. That's like yep. the curse of the Bambino. This is the curse of the Baumgartner. Um, yep. Nonetheless, hey. You know what, Chris? Have a great week. We've got a lot of sports to watch, a lot of Supreme Court to watch, uh, and so we will talk to you next week. Loving it. Thanks so much, Joel. We'll talk next week. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for spreading the good word about us. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Triplicity Marketing for our technical and computer support. <laughs>